Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. You know, during this time, many are back in school or preparing to go back to school during a very different time in our history. Besides, do you like your teacher? What friends have you sat with at lunch? Another important conversation many parents are also having is around bullying, including in my own family. But when we consider whether you are a celebrity, an athlete, or the parent at the PTA meeting, many have had their own experiences with bullying. If you're a fan of Lady Gaga, then it probably comes as no surprise that she was bullied in school. She has been incredibly vocal about her experiences and many of her lyrics deal with being different from the norm or an outcast. What about Megan Fox? She was bullied during high school. She was talked about that she was a nerd in high school and was often bullied by the more popular girls. And everyone knows that Tom Cruise is short, but that didn't get in the way of what he's doing now. But when he was in high school, classmates teased him about his stature regularly. And what about Chris Rock? He grew up in a white upper class area and was shunned for being one of the few minorities. And this led to him to try comedy as a means of fitting in and coping with bullying. Or what about Tiger Woods? He had a stutter for much of his childhood and was harassed by his classmates. This was the many reasons he focused on being the best at golf. Well, today our guest, Sean James, who's a former two-sport college athlete and a professional football player for the Minnesota Vikings, who has developed a successful career in business and finance and philanthropy. Sean founded Be In The Know About Bullying to provide education and mentorship to students in order to help them be leaders in their communities and combat the bullying epidemic faced by our nation. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm excited to talk to you about this, and I'm excited to hang out with you for a little bit. Well, we are glad that you are here. You know, so a lot of people that are either watching us, Sean, or they're going to be listening to us or watching the the brief broadcast, outside of the many accolades and your long biography, which I didn't even read all of it, just gave everyone a little bit of a snippet. So outside of that, before we jump into our conversation, I always like to introduce who our expert is. So who is Sean James? What do you want people to know about you? I'm a Midwest kid that grew up in a small town, rural town in Kansas. Um, I come from a conservative background. I went to church as a kid. Um, Like Chris Rock, I grew up in a town that was probably 1% African-American. I had to figure out how to fit in. And for the most part, the very thing that I look at now as an adult was the very thing that I was running from as as a child, which which, was trying to fit in to what you said. Um, I think, um, you know, the gap between the 1980s and now, it's much different. Um, The word bullying, I think, is being taken out of context. I think a lot of times people don't know what the word, or just in general, people use words and they don't know the meaning behind them. So um, as that kid growing up, I was able to cope or have a, a coping mechanism 
because I was a sports figure and I was good at it. And I was able to uh, lean into sports from track and field to basketball to football, which is a big part of the culture in my hometown, but more importantly, the Midwest and the South. And I think once you're good at something, unlike a lot of kids that are journalists, uh, that are nerds, they don't really get that activation until they're older in life. When you're a kid, unlike being making it all the way to the professional ranks, you're doing the same thing that you did when you were six, seven years old. And I was able to blend in based off being good at something. And I knew that I had that awareness as a kid. And I'm going to tell you something that really, really that's cultivated over the last five years in doing interviews like this is I would always think about the last kids that were picked. And it always bothered me because I was always the first kid and I would pace back and forth. And I would always think about what they felt like. And I didn't know that that word was empathy. I had empathy as a very young person. And I think for me, it's always been in me. I think some of them, some of it might've been innate, but I think a lot of it was just growing up with parents that basically would always say, what can we do to help versus what can you help us with? And that's kind of how I grew up. Luckily, I was uh, afforded a college athletic scholarship and the rest is history. Um, but I think those morals and values of understanding people and being able to fit in and knowing that I was good at something, but that maybe if I wasn't good, maybe I would be bullied as well. Well, then I probably was one of those kids that you had empathy for, Sean, because I remember in elementary school, you know, when it came to PE class, um, I, would, I would be that girl that would take the basketball and uh, throw it from between my legs. So nobody wanted me on their team. Yeah. <laughs> so I completely understand what you're saying. But you also mentioned something very important and, and help us understand. You mentioned the word bullying and that, you know, sometimes it can be misunderstood and and through the years. We can probably have this conversation as well that bullying has changed. So how would you define in just very simple terms that people can understand when we think about 2021? I mean, when we hear the word bullying, like what does that mean to all of us, in your opinion? Well, you know, I wrote down something because I wanted to be precise. You know how you go back and you watch video and you're like, oh, I didn't hit that the way I should have or the soundbite wasn't right. So I have taken um, a little time to write what I think it has evolved to, because just like people, just like businesses, just like therapy, right? There's, there's something called social mediums now, which have changed the way that we look at one another, right? There's so, there's so much perception and, and, and what we think people are going through, but we really don't know what's really going on, right? I always say, I post the things that make me feel good. And sometimes I have to be careful about that because I have certain people that I care about that I don't want to make to make them feel uncomfortable. But to answer your question, this is what I think bullying is. The root of bullying is the same everywhere you go. To achieve power where he or she receives a higher social standing and to control situations and or people to his or her advantage. At the heart of every bully, there's a yearning for power. It's a power play. People want your attention and when you don't give it to them, they lose it. They get upset. You know, I always say it's very hard to be silenced when someone jumps on your social medium and says something because they really truly want your attention. And I've always said this too, you're going to pay people two ways, by your credit card or by your time. So you have to choose what you want to do. And there's a time and place to stand up for yourself and not be a bystander, but an upstander. But there's a time also to be silent.
So I think that that's what it's evolved into. I think a lot of times someone being mean to someone or maybe not comprehending something or reacting to something, because there's a lot of people that are reactionary as well. Um, they think that that's bullying and they'll come home and say, you know, the teacher was mean to me. Um, you know, and we don't know the whole situation. Um, but I think what's happening now, unlike how you and I grew up, these social mediums have created such a way for people to get at you that you really can't hide. Even when you change your screen name or get another Facebook account, I've dealt with so many situations across this country, across the world, where people have reached out to me and said, listen, we've changed schools, we've changed neighborhoods, but somehow they found her on Facebook or him on Facebook and they're harassing them every day. I had, they had to delete all their social mediums because they could never escape it. And you got to remember, too, people are extremely brave behind a screen. I call them thumb thugs, right? They would say things that they would never say to your face, but they will say them on screen. So I think we have to kind of understand that the evolution of bullying is something now where people are taking their lives based off something as simple as go kill yourself, right? People literally believe that and they go and do it. And, you know, I've, I've, I've dealt with, you know, parents losing children every day based off something as simple as that. Well, talk to us a little bit about that, Sean, through your program, through your experience. And you just mentioned that that correlation with bullying and suicide in particular. I mean, what can you share with us about that? Well, I think we've become a society and you and I are a part of it, right? We're on a social medium right now. Um, what if I told you that you posted something on your social media to celebrate me and someone that doesn't like me saw it and felt some kind of way? That's the reality of what we live in. We're old enough and have the uh, skill set to be able to navigate and not let that bother us. 13, 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds don't have that yet. That's why they're still adolescents. That's why they're still children. They don't have the brain power or the support systems because they feel that they're alone on an island. Now, don't be, don't, don't, now I wanna make sure I'm clear of this. I've, someone's jumped on my social media and it said something and I felt some kind of way and I'm 52 years old. So understand that those feelings and emotions do not leave us. As we get older, we know how to support those things and know that we can navigate and find a way to cope with them. But for the most part, most young kids don't even have the courage to go tell their parents that someone's bullying them because it's, it's, it's perceived as being weak, right? Oh, get over it. That's part of the process of growing up. I had to go through that when I was a kid. And these are the kind of conversations that are happening. Then it's too late, right? The problem's got in front of you and you can't catch up, right? The kid's now committed suicide or he shot himself in the head. There's so many things. And the thing is, is that in America, we don't really talk about it until something happens, right? Bullying is not like a social or not like a disease like alcoholism or ALS or breast cancer. They have a month that they celebrate, but it's something that's based around behavior, right? And I always say, we don't know the environments that people have grown up in, right? There's something called mirror neurons that really dictate the environment and what you might become, right? And so if you grew up in an, an environment that was alcoholism, child abuse, domestic violence, those things are in you. Even when you were a child in the womb, you heard them, right? And it's very hard to pull that person out of that, but it can happen, right? Because it's a learned behavior. 
And if it's learned, that means it can be unlearned. So I always say the reason that I started this program was I saw so many professional athletes not use their likeness in a way to really, really tap into philanthropy and do something in their communities. We live in a big country. People forget how big America is. I was having a conversation the other day with someone. I was like, think about this. 10 countries in Europe can fit in the state of Texas. We forget how globally, like how the, the, the span of, you know, and the cultures, right? Atlanta, Georgia is not New York City. DC is not Seattle, right? And every kid grows up a little bit different. So I had to develop a program based off empowering athletes, which I had access to as a former NFL player and saying, hey, man, you might have a Chick-fil-A business, a Wendy's, you might have a car dealership, whatever business that you own. You could start something in your business based off the curriculum that I have where you we can turn the stigma of what typical bullies are. And I'm going to read this to you because I think it's important as well. Mm -hmm. The epidemic of bullying carries with it a certain stereotypes. Bullies are big, strong and popular while victims are small, weak and often blend into the crowd. Being the know about bullying, which is my organization, is positioning itself as a brand, turning these stereotypes on their head. By using NFL players as ambassadors to promote a message and curriculum, we are tearing down the image of tough guy and showing children that discipline, strength, and popularity, popularity can be channeled toward positive goals. So that's really the definition of why I started it, because I saw a lot of athletes, for the most part, most bullies are aggressive. Most athletes are aggressive. We're the first to be like, I want to do it. or Let me do first, right? That behavior carries on into their lives. But if they can channel that and, and, and empower kids to say, hey, it's not cool to bully other kids or more importantly, high school kids, use your likeness to empower that kid that no one's setting by. Use your likeness to empower that kid that might not have lunch money. Right. If you're the star quarterback of, the, of a high school team coming this fall, use your likeness to actually do something to change a narrative of how people look at you. And it's hard to do when you're a teenager. But when you do it, you become a leader. You know, you said something, Sean, I want to go back to that. I don't want to skip over because it's very important. You know, sometimes I'm in the therapy, healing, psychology space. And, and what I'll see sometimes is that when a child is holding things inside and they're not sharing it. To your point, sometimes the bullying is actually can be right in their home because of toxic parenting. And it's hard for some parents to hear this, but you know, sometimes we'll chalk it up to old school parenting or we'll do all these other things. But if that child can't feel safe in their home or they're told to, you know, don't cry like a girl, or don't be a sissy or suck it up. Or, you know, and as you said, you know, everybody has gone through that and then they have to go back into that world and they feel scared, they feel intimidated, and they start stuffing that stuff down. Mm -hmm. What I'll see sometimes, and I would like to hear your experience and your opinion about this, is that kid that sometimes they now become the bully in the workplace. <laughs> they now right. become the bully, you know, as the adult, you know, and right now there's just this a lot of chatter, you know, with with Clubhouse, with all these different apps, you know, these bullies that are hiding behind social media, creating rooms about bullies. I mean, it's just in your face. So what, 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 what are your thoughts about that? Now the adults, they're the bully. And, you know, we're seeing this when we, when we turn on television, we're seeing reality shows and it's like all this aggression, all this, you know, um, going back and forth and just shooting the shit with each other now becomes the norm. And there's this undercurrent that's, that, yeah. that's happening that, that, 
if someone now has a problem, then there were now adults and now you're called a sissy or now you're called you can't handle it, man. And so what are some of your thoughts about that in the adult world of bullying? Well, I think, you know, I brought this up earlier. There's something called mimic behavior and mirror neurons. The environment that you grow up in, right, be it good or bad, or you don't even know, right? Sometimes you don't even know the environment that you're growing up is toxic because you've never been anywhere else to see it any, any, way, any, any way displayed differently, right? So um, I've been lucky enough to, you know, grow up in the Midwest and, and, and have all the Midwest values, but I also dealt with racism, right? That's kind of my experience, right? It's the culture that I grew up in. I have no problem with that. But when you move around and you go to certain places, Atlanta, Georgia, or the South is a little different than the Midwest, Texas is a little bit different. These behaviors start at home, right? And sometimes it's not even parenting. It's big brothers, big sisters. To your point about um, how does that correlate into an adult? 50% of kids that are bullied become bullies. And then it goes back to what I said earlier about power. Bully is a power play. You know, if, if I would say this, if I, if, if, if I understood the environment growing up was good or bad, would I be able to change it and how could I change it? For the most part, you can't. So the only way that you're going to be able to get a different environment is through education and removing yourself to know that you can learn a different behavior. A lot of those things happen at home or it could be in the culture of the school that you grew up in, right? Those cultures transcend into companies, right? You're in, a, you're in a company where the culture is bullying and something as simple as this. I know for a fact that four out of 10 professionals have been bullied as, as coworkers, right? And they go, well, what is that? I have a program called From the Playground to the Boardroom. It's the same thing that happens. The very things that we teach in kindergarten about treat people the way that you want to be treated, we don't do as adults, so let me explain something to you. As much as we're talking about kids, and I love this, bullying is an adult problem. We created it. All you have to do, and I'm a victim of this too, or I'm not a victim, I watch Housewives. You watch Housewives episode, if there was no bullying, there would be no ratings. So it's part of our everyday medium to watch some controversy because we judge ourselves based off what other people do. Right. We're like, well, she's crazy. Right. Well, look at what she's done. Right. Or she's so mean. And we critique it sitting on our couches. And you know what our kids do? They mimic it. Right. They mimic the behavior of how we speak to our sisters, our brothers, our aunts, our uncles, our friends. So when you hear the word bitch or something, a slur that you don't want to hear, well, you probably said it. They got it from somewhere. And that's what we have to be accountable for the very people that we want to be better than us. And that's another root of why I started this program. I wanted to be better. I wanted to lean on any celebrity that I had, any likeness that I had. And really, you know, there's so many times where I want to comment, but I can't because I'm the bully guy. I want to make sure that my behavior is accountable for the things that I actually preach. They match with the memes that I actually put up. I do those things. And I think what's happening is that, ride from high school to college, from college to the workplace, has cultivated into bullies that were being bullied in high school that now have jobs. Remember I told you, nerds are not liked in high school, right? I'm sure Mark Zuckerberger was not cool with the athletes in his high school, but when he created Facebook, he was the man. And I always say this, nerds rule the world, rule the world because you're probably going to work for a nerd at some point. So be nice to them early in life because they're probably going to hire you. 
<laughs> it's uh, so so true. You you reminded me of a situation I had early on in my my career, where I was a uh, executive secretary and I was working my way through school, Sean. And there was a a particular um, administrator director that used to just treat me really poorly, but he has to come to my office to see my boss. And uh, make a long story short, you know, probably about I don't know ten fifteen years later. Here I am uh, teaching in my community at a professional organization, and um, there was a few changes. I'm older now, Mm -hmm. and my office had a table, Sean, and they had said, hey, you know, somebody wants to talk to you. Anyway, I go over there, and the person was asking me for a job, and I looked, and I recognized him. He didn't recognize me. (laughs) This was the person many, many years ago who treated me very poorly. He didn't recognize who I was because I was so insignificant to him that now he's asking me for a job. And I'm thinking like, God has opened up the skies in this moment. Yes. And <laughs> but I gave so. him much more grace than he deserved and just said, you know, I'd be glad to keep that resume on file. Right. But <laughs> to your point, you don't never, you never know. Right. So treating people with kind and kindness and having empathy. And it's really difficult to your point. You know, there's a term that we use that as parents, we're the parental mirror. So my son, who's nine, he's learning a little bit about who he is through the mirror, through the mirror, the reflection of my eyes and what I pour into him, what I say to him. And then he's going out into the world with all of that stuff that's inside of him. And all of these, these things, they're either going to carry us through, or we're going to stuff down this woundedness. And to your point, now we're not on the playground, we're in Mm -hmm. social media, or we're in the boardroom. So so, you know, you talked a little bit about, about it, and I heard, heard you say it, but your passion for this, your own motivation and inspiration to create, the, to be in the know about bullying and pulling in your resources, other athletes. I mean, was there a specific situation or was there something that really kind of put that fire under you that you said, you know what, I'm going to use my influence and the influence of my network to really create a different type of awareness because bullying awareness has been around, right? Yeah. But I, I feel like from you, from meeting you, you have a very unique because you're, you, you're pulling your resources. You have um, certain things that other programs may not have. I'm going to be honest with you. I, it's a very interesting question. I didn't know I was going to answer it this way, but you're making me think about like scenarios that I've gotten into arguments because I was standing up for someone. I remember I was dating a girl years ago and we were watching the American Music Awards. And this girl was like, literally just like talking really badly about J-Lo. I, I'm, I don't know anything about J-Lo, I'm just sitting there. And I kind of picked a fight with her. I was like, do you even know J-Lo? She was like, no, but I don't like her. And I've always been that kid that just found a way to activate people to think about what they say out loud. Right. Like, where does that come from? And I think it's happened to me a lot. I think that when you're a threat to people for whatever reason. Right. I I went through a lot in my 20s and 30s trying to figure out who I was, um, trying to figure out, you know, even being a kid that, you know, was a light skinned kid. And even within my family, like figuring out why my hair was a little bit different than other people's hair in my family. We battle every day with something that we have to deal with. But I think a lot of it comes from empathy, right? And I and I and I studied empathy as much as I could. And I'm like, was I born like this? Because I'd literally leave conversations like, why did I have to stand up? Why did I even start an argument with that person? And it wasn't an argument, but it was me defending someone that I didn't even know. And I think, you know, early in my life, uh, my career, I dated a celebrity, 
And I remember being young and just, you know, her being more famous than my little football career I had and just kind of feeling a certain way. But I saw some of the things that she went through just as a public figure. So being that I saw that in New York City at a very early age, I had an understanding of what they go through. And so I always stood up for people for the simple fact, I would say, well, you're a celebrity. This is what you signed up for, right? You know how people always get you with that. Well, that's what they sign up for. They should be able to handle it. No, you don't have to call someone out of their name or, or be mean to them based off that you know them and they don't know you, right? And I always felt like I, I found myself in situations all the time. I don't care if it was an athlete that I was defending, a celebrity, or someone in my family based off why do you think that way and how can we resolve the problem so you can think differently so i think that's really the core of it but for the most part the epidemic part of it is i love education i think education creates opportunity but more importantly the very place that we drop our kids off every day for eight hours is the place that 165,000 kids don't want to go to every day for the fear of being bullied and that really bothered me. I'm like, we have to change this. We have to find ways where schools buy into curriculum on teaching what kindness is, teaching what an upstander is versus a bystander, teaching what telling is versus tattling, teaching all the things that we need to know to give these kids the skill set to be better humans and better adults. And we're not doing it. And why aren't we doing it? Because we're seeing it now with politicians, with all kinds of things, because once there's a race for something, the bullying comes down on both sides, right? And so the very people that we look up to for leadership, if you're running for Congress, Senator, President, whatever, as I said, we see it with the housewives, right? There would be no show if there was no controversy. We know that as an adult, the kids don't. So they mimic that behavior. You know, you, you mentioned it a little bit, but what about your own experiences with bullying as a kid, as an adult? I, I'm, what I heard from you and getting to know you is it's more came through the window of race. And I see that that's also been a passion for you around um, police brutality. Could you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a touchy, sensitive subject. I know the chief of police in New York City who happens to be an African-American, and I've always been pro-cop. Um, when, when Ferguson happened... I remember I'd went through a really bad, um, a really bad time in life. I was, I went through a bad separation and I was by myself for the first time on a Thanksgiving. And I remember just watching CNN all night and just, you know, I'm from that area. I grew up in Kansas. I went to school in Missouri. I was like, you know, what are people doing to bridge the gap between cops and inner city kids? So I literally wrote a whole program I emailed the chief of police in St. Louis. I didn't think he was going to get back to me. Kid you not, a month and a half later, he got back to me. And I was able to implement a program at WashU in St. Louis that ties into bridging the gap between inner city kids and cops. I don't know where that comes from. I think that I've always just kind of, I always say, you know, you can, you can think whatever you want to think about cops, but if someone breaks in my house, who am I calling? The cops. I need them. And I think the only way that you can do that is by having a conversation. I don't believe in shaming people. I've always learned from, from Martin Luther King, you want to work with someone, don't shame them because they're not going to work with you. If you want something from someone, find a way to be able to communicate with them. And I think that that's what we're not doing now. We're not communicating with one another. So I think, you know, those programs for me have been um, life-changing because they've given me another outlet 
to kind of navigate this word bullying. Because I think when people think about bullying, they always come to me, oh, it's so cute what you do for the kids. Meanwhile, I'm like, you guys are the problem. <laughs> Let me go to your corporate <laughs> office and watch how many people weren't um, CC'd on the, the, the happy hour because people were bullying them, right? Their executive didn't want them to come or there's a girl at work that's cute and they don't want her to come. Like there's so many scenarios that go on that I don't think we think about. And that's why I wanted to kind of break down that definition of bullying of what it really is. It's a power play. So we have been here on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey with our special guest, Sean James, talking about what you need to know about bullying. You know, we talked about the definition of bullying. We talked about how some um, origination has occurred, what's going on in today's culture, so many different things. So as we are getting ready to go to our break, I want you, if you are watching live or if you're listening to write some of your takeaways in the comments behind the scenes on Facebook, and we'll be right back on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com. Are you living day by day, nervous, in fear, or constantly feeling overwhelmed? This is probably due to an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders can develop from many different factors and can affect each and every person differently. Anxiety disorders can develop because of genetics, personality, stressful life events, and many other reasons. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that more than 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety-related illnesses and anxiety is also considered the most common mental disorder in the United States. You don't have to suffer alone. Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit lifecounselingsolutions.com today. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regretted? Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it. Anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. 
Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. We are here with our special guest, Sean James, and we are talking about bullying as we are headed back to school. Some kids are already back to school. But as we've spoken about the first segment, this doesn't just pertain to kids. This pertains to a lot of adults. And just seeing some comments um, coming through, if you can comment a little bit about your thoughts, uh, Sean, around bridging the gap between community. It's a a really deep conversation, so asking you a lot, but um, just looking at a a comment that came in. Uh, Bridging the gap between kids, cops, and community. I mean, just what are some of your high-level thoughts as far as us moving forward as a nation after, especially everything that's gone this past year? Well, I think the elephant in the room is that we politicize, you know, each, right? We we associate African-American people and Black Lives Matter with the Democratic Party, and we associate cops with being Republicans. And that's a division that we shouldn't have. At the end of the day, we need people to service in all communities. But more importantly, if we don't have this conversation that's really, really uncomfortable, we're not going to resolve the problem, right? I don't think cops are going anywhere. I think that we need cops. As I said, we're probably going to have an African-American mayor and a chief of police that were both cops. And I think those are kind of things that we need to start thinking about, like, you know, what do we need to look at in the sense of parents, the parents now are teaching kids to be scared of cops versus being heroes and cops need to know that kids could be uh, heroes in their own right and be something in their own communities if they view them that way. So it's really a conversation that we have to bridge through these communities. And I've done many different things where I have cops come into, you know, urban leagues and boys and girls club and, and, and majority African-American and Spanish communities. More importantly, I've bought kids into to precincts that weren't in trouble and watch to see what they go through on a daily basis. I've done drive uh, drive uh, ends where I got to bring people into a whole routine of what it's to go, th- what it is to be a cop in the inner city and how these decisions are made in a split second. Does that, you know, is that addressing the issue? Yes, it is. But people don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about the things that are, you know, um, basically on the TV screen every night. Right. You know, and and that's where we're never going to really bridge that gap. I feel that we really need to find out what do we want and then go for what we want and have that conversation and asking for what we want. And that's why policies and police reform um, can be something that we can activate, but I don't like the word defund the cops. I'm probably going to get some hate from that. I don't think it helps anything. I'm sorry. Someone breaks in this house right now. I'm calling the cops and I, I want them to be on my side. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't know. It, well, it's basically- a tough conversation. And, 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 and I'm someone that, that stuck my head out to do it because I wanted to bridge the gaps. You know, I, 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 I probably should have been an attorney. I went to law school for a year and I've always just thought like, if we can turn, you know, I've created programs where kids could literally go and go through the police academy and some of these kids can end up being attorneys and fight for the very civil rights that they want in their communities. And that's what it should be about. Right. I don't think it should be shaming someone, even though there are problems. Don't get me wrong. I'm not denying that there are issues that we need to address, but I think we need to talk about the solutions and not the problems. So basically what you're saying, and I'm just uh, repeating um, the comment that Brenda's making back to us, is having uncomfortable conversations is where it all starts. It really does. 
And you know that in your business, right? It's these uncomfortable conversations that we really have to dig deep to find out where that pain and the root of that pain comes from to really understand how we can actually resolve the problem. Absolutely. But I'd like to, I, I, I'd like to, you know, share a few things because um, I think it's important. I always feel like I, I don't get things, um, I don't articulate some of the things that I want to share. I think there's things that children, uh, you know, teenagers and adults all need to have, right? As parents, you need to have this. And these are things that you need to instill in your kids. We need to understand the difference between mistake, mischief, and mayhem. And I'm going to explain it to you. Mistake is when someone spills a glass of milk while they're walking to the sink. They own it, they fix it, they learn from it and move on. That's a mistake. You can apply that to anything in life. Mischief is when someone spills a glass of milk because they're upset and they can't have the dessert because they didn't finish their dinner. That's being bad. That's mischief. Mayhem is when a child knocks over and spills the glass with intention to get it on its to get it on her big sister. So think about what I just said. Three M's: mistakes, mischiefs, and mayhem. If we can apply those three things and understand the difference in all of them, we can learn from them. I'm a big believer in disciplining children, not hitting kids, not tormenting kids, not being mean to kids, not yelling at kids. I'm about self-awareness. What did you do? What are we going to do to fix it? And the person that you did it to, they might not even want to be your friend anymore. So you have to find the way in yourself to figure out what you did wrong to be a better person, right? I'm from Missouri and Kansas, and we have something called, you got to show me. It's a show me state. So I think it's very important that we understand that those things are extremely important and the intention of what you do, right? I always say tattling was the intention of getting someone in trouble. Telling is actually helping someone. Think about that. Tattling, your intention is to get someone in trouble. But if you're telling the teacher or you're telling someone that has the authority to help someone, it's a big difference. So tattling and telling aren't the same thing. And I think these are important things that we can all instill in our children but only that we have to actually be accountable as adults as well. Because as I said earlier, we mimic the behavior of the people that raise us or that we're around. That's good. You know, really good. And, and this is one of the points that I want to pull out. Those three M's for the people in the back, really good. Because sometimes from the parental standpoint, when there is not self-awareness, there is not self-accountability, we have parents who are, and I'm saying this as a parent, right? So I know sometimes when parents hear this, it's not attacking us as parents, but we have to be self-aware because we can also be emotionally immature trying to raise children. So when they're making mistakes, we're treating it as malice to your point of their, there's an accident, drop over the glass of milk and yelling at them as if they did it on purpose, right? Because there's a lack of self-awareness, there's a lack of self-control and then being children being raised by emotionally immature parents, right? Can do lots of different things, especially in the world of, um, of bullying in particular. Yeah. I also think too, that we, we, you know, so many people will say, well, you always use the word accountability, I think it starts with children, right? I'm very big in making children understand accountability and it's age appropriate, right? Two-year-olds don't get to decide when they will go to bed. They don't. 
right? But what we can do is we can give them choices to say, what pajamas do you want to wear to go to bed? Right. And slowly but surely, we build those things up to give them bigger decisions to make as they grow and as their brain develops to be able to critical thinking and comprehension and all those things. We don't do that enough. Right. I see it all the time. I cringe. People don't you know, I'm in education. I I love you know, I, I work in finance, but, you know, I do this. Um, not as a hobby. It's something that it's part of my philanthropy. And I see so many teachers that miss this, right? It's, it's accountability is really about responsibility, but more importantly, accountability is taught. It's a learned behavior, the same as bullying. And we have to learn that as age appropriate goes, we give them a little bit more to deal with, but then we make sure that they're accountable for they, what they did. And if they're accountable, you know what they're going to do? They're going to be able to live on their own and they're going to be accountable for themselves, which makes them have self-awareness. And I want to say amen to that, Sean, because I'm teaching my son that right now in the sense of teaching him that discipline and doing things because we need to do them versus I'm waiting to feel or I'm getting motivated. I'm like, you're not going you're not gonna to ever get to a place. So teaching him self-discipline and so far so good. But, you know, t- tell me a little bit about about this, Sean, when the people that are listening or they're watching, seeing all the comments coming through, how can people contribute to bullying prevention? You know, whether they are the PTA parent, whether they are there's someone listening to this or whether there's someone that don't, doesn't necessarily have children in their life. I mean, what are things that we all can do to come together, community, individuals to contribute to um, bullying prevention? Well, think about it, right? Uh, you and I both have a lot of entitlements. We're lucky enough to be able to get on Facebook and, and people will chime in for whatever reason they, you know, they, they trust in the things that we're saying, but we worked for that, right? We read and we studied and we got to the point where we had something to say and people trusted the things that we said and they believed in us. I feel like that with every community in our, in our country, it's kind of like my dad belonged to a country club. He was the first African-American in his community to belong to the country club. And I remember being very insecure going to the country club because I was the only black kid in that country club. But that country club is a community, right? The same as a boys and girls club, the same as a PTA meeting, right? These are all cultures and communities that we build in our community. But what happens is, and why I say that we're entitled, I love when I see entitled people who don't care about a specific issue until it happens to them or their child. I have some of the most influential people that could care less about bullying. And then they go, Hey man, my kid's having a little problem. Even on the phone, they're whispering because they don't want any to want to know. And I go, okay. I go, well, what would you like me to do? Would you like me to talk to them? What would you like me to do? It's the same as that guy that goes to the country club or goes to the Yale club or the Harvard club, whatever it might be, right? Whatever club that you are invested in. You can create those clubs. And if you don't know how to create them, you can call me. I can activate someone in your state, in your city. I have access to the Boys and Girls Club across the country. I'm an ambassador. I have access to urban leagues all around the country. Any community that you can think of, I don't care what demographic you come from, what economic system you come from, from private school to public school. I have the ability to activate people in your community so you can have those uncomfortable conversations with other people that actually have had a kid commit suicide from bullying or their daughter went through it. I've had kids jump off the George Washington Bridge that were popular. I've had I've seen everything. There is no there's no escaping the way that you look, 
the way that you smell, the, the, the financial uh, means that you have, the education you have of you not being bullied. It will not escape you. So I say create communities and cultures within your community where you can have a conversation about what's going on with your child or even with yourself. And if you don't know how to do it, I can activate that. I have the ability to do some things based off me in this space. So also share with us, because you use you use this word a, a couple times. And where can this play into the bullying prevention when you use the word empathy? Right. So through your programs or through your experience, is it teaching schools? Is it teaching our kids? I mean, how can we pl- put that into play for those that are listening? Because, um, you know, to your point, empathy could be something that's learned. It's, it's definitely learned. I think some of us have it from an innate. We're born with some empathy. But when you really think about people that really take time to think about other people, a lot of them have high IQs because they have the ability to not see things black and white. People that think in the gray and really go, wait a minute, right? That comma, that pause, they're processing something that took place at work, on the street, because something happened that they know is not right. And a lot of times, people that walk by and they know it's wrong, we call those bystanders. Don't be a bystander. An upstander goes, this is wrong, and we know it's wrong, and I'm going to be the person that's going to fix it, or I'm going to try to fix it, or I'm going to stand up for that person. So empathy for me, I think, to your point, part of my program creates this awareness, but more importantly, it teaches kids critical thinking of something happened, what are you doing to fix it, right? And I have this thing where I tell children, you have to own it, fix it, and learn from it. And if you don't do it in that order, you're missing the thinking process, which ultimately is empathy. Empathy is thinking. It's thinking about someone else's situation and being in their shoes, not how you would handle it, but how they're handling it. That's a lot to give. And for the most part, people don't have time to do that. That's why they don't have empathy. They're like, I don't have time for this. It's not my problem, right? Which, which goes back to you and me saying, I have a lot of, a lot of entitlements. I'm good, right? But until it happens to me, it's not my problem. So when you teach kids that at an early age, they kind of grow up with it and they stop and they think and they have that sense of comma, pause, gray, not black and white, right? If we could teach that in business, right? To say, I use, I, I use the very same thing in business. People want to activate things and then go into marketing and then you know, start a company, but they didn't think about all the other things that are coming and they don't activate their company. So their company fails because they're not thinking about the gray part, which is new information coming in and empathy. What could happen and what would you do in that situation? We can speak all day about empathy because when I'm working with uh, couples and marriage counseling, teaching them to have empathy towards each other sometimes yeah. uh, is uh, one of the hardest things. But someone is asking and um, they want to hear your, your thoughts on as adults, what are some common traits that would um, that they can identify that someone potentially could be a bully or a kid can potentially be a bully? Common traits of a bully. Well, I think there's, you know, as I said earlier, you know, aggression and um, people in your face. Um, you know, that's the typical aggression. And, and aggression doesn't come with just large people. There's mean old ladies in the world, right? There's some in New York. right so don't it's you know there there is no mask or color or gender on bullies right but i think you know 
the things that we, I think the way that we perceive bullies is, is aggression and being in your face, but we really need to understand that someone doing something bad to you versus someone hitting you, hitting you is an assault. That's not bullying. You call the cops and literally you can get them arrested. So let's make sure that we understand the difference. Domestic violence is not bullying. Someone putting their hands on you is an assault. That's something that has nothing to do with bullying. They broke the law. So we need to understand, you know, there's all this, this, this whole area of what bullying is. I think for the most part, we need to think about the manipulators. Manipulation is a big play in bullying. Manipulation just means I'm going to do whatever I can to get what I want from that person. And they will play you to get what they want, and then they'll leave. And when they want something else, they'll come back. You can't allow that to happen to you. And you have to be able to have an understanding of all the things that have happened to you, where you think people have wronged you, were they manipulators? And understand what manipulation is, right? If I decided to do this show knowing that I'm not going to get paid for it, knowing that I'm sharing something because I want to, then I know I'm not manipulating anyone. I'm giving. If someone gives you something because they want to help you, they're givers. But if someone gives something with the intention of wanting something back, it's a manipulation. And we don't look at that as being bullying. It is the first trait of a bully. I think a lot of people <laughs> are enjoying that uh, comment. See some um, uh, DMs coming through because absolutely that can be in relationships, that can be in um, workplace and a lot of different um, you know, one of the things that I also say when it comes to that, and you said it earlier, and I want to go back and highlight it, is as adults, when we each do our work and we get to a place where we learn to read people because we are self-aware, people don't realize that when you really do your own work and you're self-aware, you can learn to read people. And then we get that little thing called intuition, and we have to listen to ourselves because as a child, if you were told, do as I say, not as I do, then you've learned to abandon yourself, your own feelings and thoughts. And that doesn't go away, Sean, when we become an adult. We abandon our own feelings and thoughts and we'll just go with whatever someone else says. And when you do that enough, that can cause a certain state of confusion that if someone is manipulating you or being passive aggressive, telling Sean, yeah, 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 but I'm going to do whatever the hell I want anyway. And all those types of traits, when we really get to a place of confident self-assurance during our work and not abandoning ourselves, we can have a way to um, read people. So I'm wondering what your thoughts about that. Yeah, I think um, I think it is a talent, but I think it's something that you can also learn from getting it early in life, right? The upbringing that you come up with, right? I, I, I read a lot of my, Malcolm Gladwell, and he wrote this book about um, three different um, economic systems, middle class, upper class, and people that live in poverty. And the one thing that I took from that is that um, wealthy kids are prepared because their parents are setting them down, preparing them to ask questions to authority, right? Like, I'll give you an example. And, and please don't, no one take this. This is, this is, you know, not verbatim from Malcolm Gladwell books, but I'm giving you the short, uh, the short version. Poor kids, for the most part, that come from poverty, they're told what to do in the doctor's office. I want you to take this penicillin, and go home, take it till it's done. And ultimately, you're going to get, you, you're not going to have, um, your tonsils are going to be okay. A middle-class kid, for the most part, his parents might have some education, they're working-class people. They're going to go with their child, and the child might say, well, if I start to feel a little bit better, do I have to finish the penicillin? 
And he says, yes, you do. The wealthy kid, for the most part, because it's tied to education and upbringing. Don't get me wrong. All right. I want to take this out of context. It doesn't matter in the sense of how you grew up. But this is a very, a very important thing to understand. The mom, before they go to the actual doctor that morning, says, well, you know, we have to go to the doctor tomorrow because you got out of school because your tonsils hurt. But before you go to bed, I want you to write some things that you want to ask the doctor. She didn't tell him what to write. So when they get there, the doctor looks at his tonsils. He goes, yeah, you have mono. We're going to have to get you this penicillin. Um, this is what you're going to do. So the, the, the kid jumps down off the, uh, the, uh, the bed and, and the doctor looks at him and mom goes, well, Charlie, don't you have some questions for the doctor? The kid pulls out these notes. He goes, yes, Dr. James, I want to know why we even have tonsils. Doctor looks at him and goes, good question. Tells him why he has tonsils. And he goes, if I have to get my tonsils removed, do I get ice cream? Goes, good question. The point of the story is when kids are taught early in life to study people and challenge authority with manners and respect, you're going to be much better in the real world with dealing with adults. And that's something that we're losing. We're not setting down our kids and telling them the things of how to get to where you want to go. And a lot of it's lack of communication, lack of a vocabulary, lack of kindness, lack of empathy. And these are all things that it doesn't matter what household you come from that we can actually implement in every household throughout the country. Well, there we have it, Shona James, with empathy, with manner, with respect, ask questions, teaching our kids critical thinking skills and giving them the tools to navigate this world. Well, we so appreciate you spending time with us on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Where can people find you at? Um, mostly, uh, I have a website. It's my, my name, Sean, S-E-A-N, Lewis James, L-E-W-I-S, James.com, and all my information is there. And then my social, which I'm really active on, is uh, Sean James 23. It's for Twitter and Instagram. It's basically my name with the number 23. And I, can I say this to you? Um, I think it's amazing that you contacted me. I was thrilled to be on the show, and I love the things that you're doing. Obviously, we're going to build this friendship out. I always... Um, celebrate the people that celebrate me and the ones that don't. And I'm so happy that you reached out to me because you gave me an opportunity to share some of my thoughts. But I like to leave people with this. And it's something that I really genuinely think because we live in this world of social media and posts. If the words you spoke appeared on your skin, would you still be beautiful? Mm. To ask yourself that every morning. Well, Ain't we it? certainly... Appreciate that, Sean, and I look forward to connecting with you more. Um, didn't hang out with you that much in uh, Long Island recently, but we will continue to uh, build this friendship so we can impact this world together. So until next time, this is your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. So thank you for joining us on another thank episode. You. appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week.